Yes, improv is very funny and it'll make you funnier. All that is true. But what improvisation really is, is allowing people to develop the skills to be present in the moment and to respond in the moment and to yes and. And I can't think of a better way to apply yes and, to say yes and how can I help you? Yes and how do we move that forward? Then a sales or customer service situation. The C4L podcast is brought to you by Freshworks. Freshworks' vision is to enable companies and organizations of all sizes to nurture, acquire, and support customers for life. I'm Alan Bergson, and together we'll explore topics that give you the building blocks to better prepare your company to engage with your stakeholders. That is, your employees, your partners, your prospects, and yes, your customers. The C4L Podcast, helping you build the trust necessary to earn customers for life. Welcome to the C4L Podcast. I'm Alan Berkson, and my guest today is Kathy Klotz-Guest. Kathy is a former Silicon Valley marketing executive and a trained improviser for over 20 years. She combines her business and comedy backgrounds to help people, teams, and brands be more human and creative every day. She's trained at comedy sports in LA's Second City. She's been featured in Forbes and the Huffington Post, and Inc.com named her book, Stop Boring Me, exclamation point, a must read. She is the founder of Keeping It Human. Welcome to the podcast, Kathy. Thank you. So there, there are a lot of topics we could cover. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel compelled to be funny, but I'll try to. <laughs> Do you get that all the time? Do you get that when, when you yes. tell somebody you're a comedian that suddenly they're like, either they're, they, they keep their mouth shut because they don't want to say anything or they try to be funny? All the above. I get the, I get the, you know, uh, they want to be funny or they don't say anything or they want me to be funny. And I get the, Hey, dance monkey, say something funny. funny. Tell tell me a joke. Tell me a joke. And it's like, I, I think I was at a dinner, you know, months ago back when, remember we could meet in person when that was the thing. And I was at a dinner and like somebody was like, Oh yeah, I hear you're a comedian. Tell me a joke. And I was like, Hey, I hear you're an accountant. Give me a tax deduction. That's (laughs) And they were like, well, waited. I said, that was your joke. That was was it. That was served up. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because I think, uh, I think we all have their, their preconceptions about sort of what a comedian is and that we're always making jokes and that we're not everyday people who have, who are tired and have bad hair days, just like everybody else. (laughs) And, and humor, humor breaks down barriers. It, changes the tone it um you can even say it 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 brings out a little bit of empathy because sometimes you view self-deprecating humor so i mean tell me a little bit about how because now i'm i had this whole thing written about what i was going to ask you and now you got me curious going another direction and that's probably typical of of your types of conversations but but so humor's hard and yet we use it all the time and it's part of our life and it, and it changes people. How do you see it uh, impact in terms of how people communicate or change their, their uh, like connection, I, I guess is the best word. Yeah, I know it's a really big question, Alan, and I appreciate where you're asking and why you're asking it because it really does matter. It's in the everyday stuff. Well, I, I think we make it harder than it has to be because I think we overcomplicate it. We think everything has to be rip-roaringly funny and we, oh, I can't do that. So we put these artificial barriers in front of ourselves. Oh my God, I'm not funny, I can't do that. And I think really, honestly, all we really have to do is say the truth and be super relatable. All we have to do is be like, 
you know, um, just the truth. Like I, like three weeks into shelter in place, um, I posted a picture of me in a bathrobe with my hair all completely all no makeup. And I got so many reactions. I, I, I think it was on LinkedIn and I think I got about 10,000 views. And I think it was one of those things where, you know, I didn't care about that. I was just thinking about here, here's how I'm feeling. I'm exhausted. And now all of a sudden I got to teach the kids at home and, and work and like cope. This is me in COVID and it was super relatable. So I think we don't have to overthink it. We don't have to be funny. I think we just have to be willing to say the truth of our lives. Um, so, so yeah, I'm going to say, I'm going to saying the truth, um, is hard to allow your employees to do. Yeah. And the reason why I bring that up is, yeah. um, when I think about, uh, the future of work, uh, mm. computer, computers and artificial intelligence. Let's give customer service as an example. Yeah. If a problem has happened before, it's already been documented. And the next time it happens, the, the AI can handle it. So when it comes mm-hmm. to the new stuff that's never happened before, that's for the humans. And that's where yeah. something like improvisation takes place. Uh, in th- improvisation is critical, but it's scary. You're, you're giving, you're giving your employees, the, you know, empowering them. Um, how would you approach that? Or I know that you talk to teams about that. Where does that, how do you start to think about empowering employees to improvise, to go with the situation, particularly whether it's communication or solving the problem or stuff like that? Isn't it funny that we automatically will say yes to customers before we say yes to our own people? I, I, I mean, isn't it funny how we spend far more on customer service, on customer, you know, customization, on personalization, on branding, on storytelling, on marketing, on sales before we invest in our own people? That makes no sense to me. <laughs> that's wow. that's yeah. bass backwards. That's bass backwards. And I think we have we have to realize that. If we want better experiences, well, who's going to deliver them? Our own employees. So we need to remember that we're investing in our employees. So improvisation is not going out and telling them to go be funny. Let's let's not conflate the two. I mean, I do stand, right. I do stand, right. and I also do improv. And yes, improv is very funny and it'll make you funnier. All that is true. But what improvisation really is is allowing people to develop the skills to be present in the moment and to respond in the moment and to yes and. And I can't think of a better way to apply yes and, to say yes and how can I help you? Yes and how do we move that forward than a sales or customer service situation. So to me, it's not about, you know, oh, giving them the keys to the kingdom and over-empowering our employees. It's, It's empowering them to figure out how to say yes and to a customer who in the moment needs a problem solved. Why would we not invest in that? Kathy, take a step back because you said yes and, and that yes and is the core of improv. Can you can you just let, let our listeners know, uh, give, you know, that what's that scenario like? What is What are we trying to accomplish with that? What does that really mean from, from the basics of, of improv? Sure, sure. So the, the, the central tenet of my faith <laughs> in our text, in our cult text, um, the center point of improv is built around a foundation of yes and. And what it really means at its core is this. 
if I yes, but you, yes, but, yes, but, yes, but, ideas never go anywhere. They never go anywhere. You know, it's awful. And we all get yes, but it every day. And in an improv, on an improv stage, scenes are built one brick at a time. I might say something to you and you say, oh, yes, and we could do this. And then I say, yes, and, and I add on to that. And the reason there's forward momentum is because we're not blocking each other, right? We're, we're, we're celebrating yes and in each other, and that's how scenes move forward. And I think there's no difference in a business scene when you get a customer service call from your, your a customer, that is itself a business scene. And instead of, yes, buddy, we can't do that for you, what if we approached that the same way and said, yes, and I understand you're upset. Yes, and you've had a bad experience. And I'm sorry for that. Yes, and I'm here now. Yes, and how can I help you? Then you can move forward. So the language of the stage that we use to move scenes forward is no different from the business imperative of happy customers and happy people. And it's not theatrical. It's not any of that. I got an MBA. I ran teams for many years. <laughs> I, right. I am a cop. I'm a hybrid of both. And right. I'm, and I'm here to say it has a very practical application and place. When we think about how do we get off the phone and make those customers happy? Yeah. So yes. And mm -hmm. implies a listening it implies uh, a validation of the person's experience yep. uh, as opposed to a yep. trying to fit them into a box. I think a lot of organizations, yep. when it comes to, they want to be able to script something. Here's my persona. Here's my bar persona. Here's my customer service script. Here's, here's the situation. If this happens, then say this. If this happens and your company is keeping it human, that's not human. That's not human. And you can't script everything. It's funny how um, people are so, and I get it because I get the mentality and I so appreciate it. You know, part of being human means, oh my gosh, I need a plan for that. Well, there was no, there was no plan for COVID. I mean, maybe there should have been, maybe there, should, there will be going forward, but until you right. experience a crisis that's new, you don't have a plan for it. So the best that we can do is teach people how to think and respond in the most intelligent way to move, move forward. And because there's no script, what we can do, though, is teach people to remember exactly what you said, which is, yes, and is listening. It's hearing the person out. What do we all want when we call customer service? We want to be validated. Right. Yes, and I hear what you're saying. Yes, and I'm so sorry that didn't work for you. I'm, I'm, I can't do anything about that. Yes, and I'm here now. Let's work together to move you forward. And that if we can teach people those skills, my God, the difference, and I think in the way that we could treat people on the phone or, or in, in, you know, even just our programming, our bot programming to think like improvisers, which thank God they can't because we all do <laughs> job, job. But if we can yeah. teach people these skills that once people feel validated and heard, it's a whole other different energy, you know? So improvisation, if I said to somebody, I want you to get up and improv, you're going to get, you know, their jaw will drop and they'll be, you can see this, the, the, the trickles of sweat starting to go and, and they tense up and they're like, oh my goodness, improv. No, I can't do that. Yeah. Um, and some people would say, well, that person just really good on the phone or that person yeah. just really has good people skills or, <laughs> but uh, you're going to tell me that I could teach people how to do this and be more comfortable doing it. I'm going to guess. Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. So working with a lot of, you know, leaders and teams and, you know, of all sizes, one of the things that I think 
part of why we say, you know, hey, go go do improv is people have that notion of like, oh, I gotta be funny and it's this and it's that and it's theater and it's, it's performing. It's not. Yes, I am is all about listening. It's fundamentally about showing up and being willing to be present to hear the other person and then figure out, all right, of the, of, you know, nobody asked for COVID to hit, but uh, we're here now. So how do we yes and the moment we're in and move forward? It's teaching people to yes and what they can control and of the choices, the card that they're dealt, how do we move forward? And I can't think of a better way to prepare for crisis um, then improvisational skills, because what we're asking people to do, we're asking doctors and nurses to show up without personal protective equipment. We're asking them to make the best of what little resources they have. There are doctors, Alan, that have gone out of their way because they didn't have enough ventilators for their patients. There are doctors that figured out a way to reconfigure sleep apnea machines. Wow. And, and, for, for patients that whose respiratory problems weren't needing a ventilator, but they were forced to innovate and improvise because they didn't have enough ventilators. So these doctors went out and figured out how to make it work. Then they blogged around the world to make sure that other doctors in other countries could have those improvisational innovations. There is nothing more fundamental than in, in a crisis or in, hopefully we don't have to wait to be in a crisis, but what is a crisis? It is an it is improv in an improvisational moment that you would never choose, but you're there now. What are you going to do? Right. Yeah. What you know, when we think about there's two words. You, I think you mentioned agility, and there's another word, adaptability. Yep. Uh, we've yep. been talking about and, and on the technology side, we talk about digital transformation, which I'm you know I'm sure you've 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 talked about more times than you care to yes. think about it. <laughs> but, 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 but what people don't realize is with any change within an organization. It's not just about technology. It's yeah. always I call it the the the, the three legged stools: people, processes, and tools. Yeah. And so, when people think about digital transformation, they think about how do I create more agility within my organization by with from a technology point of view. But clearly, there, there's there's steps you can take to get your people prepared for it, and your and, yes. and your process and your processes prepared for it. Yes. Yeah. And where you can prepare, you should. And I think that there's a couple things and you're 100% right. The things that you can own and start to prepare people for, you, you absolutely should. And you shouldn't wait till a crisis because a crisis is sort of like uh, now, jump now. Um, and hopefully you, you have this kind of training beforehand. But if you, if you teach people everyday situations, how to handle the uncontrollable or the unforeseen, you can't control that. But what Yes And teaches you is how to control how you respond in the moment. And if you can train people for that, you've got you've got those skills in place so when this stuff happens, they're better able to make sense of it. Um, and, you know, I, I can think of no better time than now to feel, I wouldn't choose it, nobody would choose it, but COVID really, I think for me, I've had a lot of conversations with leaders, Alan, in the last like couple of months. And I'm, t I'm so grateful for my background. I'm so grateful for having that and right. talking them off ledges <laughs> and telling them you can do this. However, what it means is you're gonna have to let go of your team and trust your team and meet them where they're at. It means leaders also have to embrace it. It's not just training their people, but you've got people working from home now. And 
You can't control their day. You can't control their every move. And not only that, you've got a workforce that let's, let's face it, cannot be governed by the productivity police because they're in shock. They've got kids that they're, I, you know, you, you're a parent. I'm right. a parent. Absolutely. And they have emotional needs and you can't come in there and act like the world didn't shift for them. It did. So you have to meet them where they're at. And that's as much about leaders. Yes. Handing their employees as those employees in, ter- in turn down the food chain. Yes. Handing clients. You know? what, one thing one thing I think about, it, I don't know why Douglas Adams and Don't Panic come to mind. <laughs> I wouldn't hit that Don't Panic um, in the sense that uh, yeah. you know, improvisation, it, it, change within your organization yeah. is always scary. Yeah. Um, have, having the tools to be able to change from a, from a technology point of view is great. Having the, the, the skills of people to be able to adapt to change is great. Uh, if I, but you know, as a manager, I, yes, and I totally get. At the same time, I want to be able to measure stuff. Yes. So, yeah. if I have if I have people on a script, I can measure my you know how how well they stick to their you know their 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 cap. I have my KPIs for mm-hmm. my for my contact center or for my marketing team yeah. or for my sales team. Is there some way, or should I? Or maybe I shouldn't even be thinking about it that way. But I feel like I have to be able to at least you know, gauge where I at, where I'm at in terms of helping my team become more improvisational for lack of a better term. Absolutely. And I think the the fear is, oh, if it's improvisational, we can't get our arms around it. And I don't believe that's true. So let's step back and look at KPIs, right? So that those are your, your performance indicators for certain things. I get it. You want to measure how long the calls were, how many calls, throughput, that First stuff. call resolution, yep. All, all of it. But you can still measure quality of call and re- happy customers and resolution. You know, Zappos, you know, and I'm not saying everyone has to uh, adapt, you know, or adopt Zappos' way of thinking about the world. But if we just step back and forget about, like, you know, that, what do we really care about? Let's look at happy customers and customer resolution. Per, you know, um, how many successful uh, calls and happy customers and then lifetime value of a customer. And if we yes ended them and Hey, Hey, I'm sorry, this is happening to you. I, I don't know what happened there. And I am so sorry you're in this situation, but I'm here now. Let's fix it together. Can you measure happy customers, customer resolution, lifetime value of a customer, people renewing contracts? Could you, could you, I actually think you would leave customers happier and you would be able to measure those. Those are real Goals that I think NPS or CSAT or something would would, would definitely be affected by it. You start doing the promoter scores and somebody feels heard and validated and yes, handed. You know what? I know for a fact that that's going to translate into a higher NPS. I know it will. So I do believe actually there are measures um, that you can apply. So it's not as soft. Everybody thinks, oh, it's soft skills. Not really, because the soft skills drive the hard KPIs. You know? So we we've talked about managers and their employees. We've talked about customer service. Let, what about mm-hmm. marketing? Because uh, yeah. this is something you know. Uh, marketing is is almost the opposite of, of improv in some cases because yeah. it, it, it most people think about it as broadcast. Yeah. And, but that the, the age of broadcast is is over. We're not in that type of world. So, I, I mean, social media is is a place to improv and yes and and uh there are other ways that you could you know how have you seen people or what what are people doing from that perspective to help 
to do a better job of, of communicating their brand message and stuff like that. Yeah, and I think it really, you know, when we hear the term social listening, that's really a chance for improvisational responses. That's that's what that is, because you look at the brands that um, if we think about marketing, and there's a couple ways to think about marketing. If we first look at outbound social media responses, social listening is a huge, that, that itself is yes and. Something happens in the marketplace, you respond quickly. The whole reason everybody wants to have that return on moment and the reason moment marketing became such a thing is because you had a bunch of smart people that took, were listening and went, I can yes and that moment and responded. Right. So you can teach people how to listen for those really important shifts and moments. And we're having one now. You know, COVID is a different moment. You can't continue your marketing as usual. And if right. ever there was a time to listen, 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 because people's needs have changed. You better be listening to that shift. So that means your marketing team needs to respond by listening. We've heard you. And what you're saying is this. And here's where we're going to go next. So it's also not just the outbound stuff, but I think we need to train marketing teams to be constantly listening for what has shifted internally. How do we all feel? How do customers feel? And all of our marketing should always be about emotional resonance. How are people feeling today? Forget your schedule. I mean, you and I both saw, I know you saw. <laughs> How much bad marketing have we seen in the last couple of months? Like brands, hello, are you not in the same world of COVID that I'm in? Like you right. come, at, come at me with your 50% discount on whatever, you know, no. And so right. I think those tone deaf moments are because we didn't teach people to listen. So I, I think the, 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 there's agility that we have in terms of our tools in the marketplace. I don't think we used, I don't think our processes and our people have caught up to it. That's it. That's it. Yeah, you hit on something so great. And I love that you said that. I think there's a gap between technology and where we're, where human beings are at and tech throwing technology at the, pro at the problem won't solve it. If we have the ability and the tools to do more social listening, but we're not using it, that's a problem. So I really believe, and I'm, I, again, I, I told, I told my husband one day I would be validated. <laughs> like, See this improv stuff. But I think we're having a moment where um, call it what you want, agile leadership, adaptable leadership, improvisational leadership. We, we are at this moment where it's no different from anything I've been saying before, but now people see the real world application in a moment's notice. And I think we're at this moment where leaders now have to realize for so long, they haven't been, they haven't been investing in employees. We've been focused on the customer that they ignored helping their, their employees navigate the shift to be more improvisational, to better respond. Um, and had they been planning this and leading that way all along, we'd be there. So right. I think what, what we need to do, the marketing imperative is actually a company imperative. The executives need to start thinking about investing in employees and their development and their, and their ability to, to be more in the moment, um, to, to stand up and, and be a, a, a more improvisational company. So, Kathy, I could I could totally see having you sit in front of a group of my senior leadership or a group of no, I, and 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 our listeners, I, I that's something that I think you should consider. The thing that I that comes to mind is, I was about to say, but that won't work. It's there. Th there's that we're used to saying 
our first response is, no, we tried that before, or yeah, that may work in your organization. What What are the initial objections that you get when you, yeah. or, or, or the questions or the fears that people express when you're in, when you're in front of that group for the first time? I think people are scared of things they've never experienced. It's foreign to them. It's a different way of thinking. And we're always a little bit afraid of thinking in a way that's unfamiliar, right? So it's a little bit like, I can't do that. I also think I'm not hung up on my language. Look, I'm also a business person with an MBA. You know, I'm not just, I am not just a theater person. I understand what it's like to run teams and I, I get their concern. And I think we have to, this is one of the reasons why I fight to the death, even with my fellow improvisers. I'm like, it, because it doesn't matter what language we put on people. We shouldn't be putting our language on people. I don't care if you call it improvisational leadership. Let's call it agility. Let's call it agility training. If it's that, right. if, if Alan, getting out of my own way and, and, and using those words and putting it in the language and the framing that will resonate with customers, great. The main thing is, is I care about the benefit they get. So I think a lot of what people are worried about is they're worried about, um, it's, they haven't tried it before, so it's unproven. Uh, they're worried about how are, we talked about earlier, but can I measure that? Yes, right. actually you can. <laughs> I, I have, here's the bad news for you. You think soft skills aren't measurable and I'm here to tell you they are. Um, number three, those soft skills are a leading indicator of, of your profitability. I have never failed to see where when we invested in a team and, and trained them, where at some point, you know, with a couple of months, you start to see numbers, right. other hard numbers go up, but it takes time to adapt and put those into practice. So I hear the fears. I hear all that, and I'm here to tell you, it, it does work. You said something earlier in the podcast, which may have to be the lead, which was, we say yes and all the time to our customers, but do we say that to our employees? We don't. We don't. And I hear this so many times. I just had a conversation the other day that broke my heart. I was talking to um, an executive about his team, and I said, well, what's the training look like? And it's the same thing I've heard many times, but he said, I feel like we don't matter as much as to the executives, as much as customers do. And they feel it. If you're not investing in your team's training and growth so that they can do their jobs better for customers, it makes no sense. It's like me not buying food for my kids, but then I invite my friends over that's for the neighbor. That's not for you. No cake for you. No, you're going to march right. your buns in there and no cake for you. It's like, come right. on. You, you, how do you nourish other people if you don't nourish your own household? And I, and I think that no longer works. And I'm telling you the future workplace, people will no longer tolerate it. People are working from home. They need to feel nurtured and, and managers need to say, Hey, I care about you. Are you okay? We need right. to get their needs met first, and then we can do a better job with customers. So I, I think I think all the sh- all the stuff I was going to say, you know, the other word, all the stuff that people. Want, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Uh, so I ran teams for you know almost 15 years. All the stuff people got away with by leapfrogging over their own employees to worry about customer metrics that cannot continue. 
And I'm here to tell you that these employee metrics are a precursor. They are a leading indicator of what will happen with your customer metrics. I'll say it again. You don't invest in employees. Your customer measures are going to be that S word. (laughs) So let's talk about it. it, One thing is investing employees. Another is as I do a new hire. Now that I've got yes and in my head and I'm thinking about improvisation and I'm thinking about agility and adaptability, uh, how do I look at my hiring process? Uh, do, I, do I stop going to MBAs and I start going to BFAs? Or, uh... <laughs> oh, my gosh. In my, in my EIOs in a farm, in McDonald's farm, yeah. Right, right, right. Um, you know, I think the answer is really, I think, y- both. And this is where companies get it wrong. And this is where yes and can teach us something. There's a, there's a, I've said it before. I'll say it again. The problem is we or everything. It's this or that, that or this. It's not or, it's and. Why are we not hiring as many BFAs or MFAs as we are MBAs? Now, I have an MA and an MBA because I'm a nerd. Um, but I believe that what makes me different is my ability, not just my, my, my theatrical abilities, but the fact that I'm an MBA. It's both together. That has right. made me a unique animal in the world. So I would say to companies, if you're hiring, it's okay to hire MBAs, but make sure you hire the MAs and the, and the MFAs and the BFAs and the BAs and all those good things. Because I think when what you're looking for is hiring people who understand people. And when you do that, you're going to have people who care about the employee experience and the customer experience. Yeah. Right. Balance. It's right. Balance. We need the MBAs. We need the MBAs. Right. And um, it's not just balance within the person, but balance within the organization. You know, oh. it's funny. I, I, I've been told on a couple of occasions that I'm the type of person that would jump off a cliff and figure out how to land on the way down. That's and, improv. That's improv. <laughs> that's improv. And, 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 but, and, and I guess I always thought about that as, you know, people say, oh, that, that person's outgoing. That person's an introvert. I mean, and that it's a personality trait. And what I'm hearing today is yeah. it's a, while it may seem scary, yeah, you, you can start somewhere and get better at it and be able to apply it. You absolutely can. Um, Del Close, who is one of the pioneers in improv, uh, not the father of improv, actually the, uh, the origin of improv goes back to a woman and to women, uh, interestingly enough. Um, but Del Close had a really lovely saying. He said, improv is jumping off a cliff and building the plane on the way down. So I love your quote because <laughs> you, my friend, are an improviser. And that's exactly what improv is. So the beauty about improv is you just need to get started and have a team that has your back. And we have a saying when we go on a stage, we look at each other in the eyes and we say to everybody in the circle, circle up, I got your back. Because what that means is, you're not alone out there. Whatever happens, I'm going to radically yes and you. I have your back. And it creates this net under you that you can do anything. So yes, you can get better. You just need to get started. I am living proof. When I started improv, I came from stand-up. And so, you know, granted I've been doing improv for over 20 years, but I started in stand-up. So when I started improv, to say that I sucked at it, <laughs> it's an understatement because stand-up is you alone with a mic. All of a sudden, I had to get out of my head and start listening to other people and building with other people, 
And what is that? It's called collaboration. And the first year hurt my head. The second year I felt a groove. And that was like 22 years ago. Fast forward. It's like second nature to me. So I'm living proof that, look, you can get better. And the things that we learn with Yes And are not just individual crisis management. It is, the, it is the foundation of collaboration, which is what a great organization needs to be doing. Right. Yeah. Um, here's a trivia question for you. One of the first times I met my wife was at Chicago City Limits in New York City. <laughs> <laughs> it was meant to be. It was meant to be. Uh, Kathy, we, we, we could talk forever. Um, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, yeah, what's the, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you and find out how, cause it's not just, it, you're not teaching them improv. It's, it's, it's changing an attitude in terms of yes, yes. And, and it's possibility as opposed to we can't, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you and follow up on this? Exactly. Um, so you can find me at keeping it You can find me on the socials at Kathy Clotes, uh, guest in most of those, uh, socials. Um, and you know, please link in with me, reach out to me, happy to chat. And uh, it, you're well said, and thank you. It, it's not about theatricality; it's about it's about bringing the good stuff into business and just humanizing it. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you, Kathy. Thank yeah. you all for listening. Catch you on the next C4L podcast. Uh, looking forward to continuing the conversation. Yeah.